Yeah, Google Alex Hornlish solar cells on the moon. <laughs> and that's how today's episode began. So welcome back to another installment of PodQuest, the podcast of the Quest Solar Energy Engineering Research Center. I'm your host, Sebastian Hussein, with Joe Karras, recording at Arizona State University. Uh, in today's piece, Joe and I were lucky enough to speak with Professor Alex Fornley from the University of Houston. Uh, he spoke to us about a very small fraction of some of the work he's done, including attempts to put robots on the moon to build solar cells out of moon dust. So this was quite a winding journey, and very often we forgot the microphone was in the room. I've since gone back and tried to give some context to portions of our conversation. I really hope that you enjoy it as much as Joe and I did. Solar cells on the moon from in situ resources. <laughs> what if you just, Sebastian, can you just read the first sentence or so from the yeah, sure. paper? Thin film solar cells will be fabricated directly on the surface of the moon through the transport to the moon of only the tools needed to fabricate the cells and not the transport of the vast array of cells themselves. The solar cells will then be grown by thin film vacuum deposition on the prepared dust of the lunar surface. This will be undertaken by the deployment of a 200 kilogram crawler on the surface of the moon with the capabilities of initial preparation of the lunar regolith by local melting under concentrated solar irradiation. That's incredible. <laughs> and uh, so essentially you have a big vacuum chamber. So with the moon acting as your vacuum chamber. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's uh, the atmosphere deposition. Uh, the most expensive part of your, uh, yeah. of your production line yeah. is <laughs> generating that, that clean <laughs> and, uh, vacuum environment. Yeah. Let me see if I can have that. That actually makes sense, you know? Yeah. Atmospheric depositions, except it's a lunar yeah. atmosphere. Right. Yeah. Uh, lunar <laughs> vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, cool like, I could just see someone waking up in the middle of the night with this idea in oh, their actually, head or I mean, something. It is, it is uh, like all these ideas, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting, sitting at the wake of the wake shield. Here, Professor Fornleish is referring to yet another experimental setup in space that he designed to test growing thin films of photovoltaic materials using the vacuum created in the wake of a space shuttle, hence named the wake shield. And uh, we're bullcrapping about what can we do, and, uh, <laughs> and that was always solar-driven yeah. kind of. And we're talking, and then suddenly, you know, we're, we're sketching, actually, it was a, a kind of a mock-up of that sketch. We mm. maybe even put it in some publication with uh, Red, you know Red Whitaker? No, I don't. Red was a guy from Carnegie Mellon who made the rover that uh, drove to the Mojave Desert okay. 500 miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unmanned. So there was Red, there was, uh, from MIT, there was John Sadaway. Okay. Don was doing, actually, the changing, I mean, he's a chemist of, uh, of recovering from those. Um, and then uh, there was a couple of government people that were doing more like system stuff. And we had, we were the ones who proposed them and actually how to do it <laughs> because of the vacuum part that we knew because it's a vacuum okay. chamber essentially. The, the so how did you do it? Well, okay. And essentially yeah. what, it's the opposite of the fa factory that we make. Mm -hmm. You know, you make a factory, you have a line, and mm -hmm. you're fitting into it. Mm -hmm. This was a rover that was running, and we did all the preliminary experiments. We had even solar cells made with the moon dust. Okay. So the rover is running. It's, and it's uh, like you have concentrated solar stuff. Yeah. comes into the fibers, okay. and then it makes you huge energy. And essentially, you're melting, so you're creating your glass. Okay. Then, of course, it's much easier with thin films. You yeah. can go and, but I mean, with silicon, even it works because I mean, it's essentially, it's multicrystalline silicon. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going to get an efficiency that's going to be at best, depending on the grain sizes you can get, about 5-6%. But you don't care because essentially it becomes radiation hard silicon. Because it's very thin, 
Whereas, I mean, if you go with a 27% silicon, in one year, in a moon radiation environment, yeah, that's the degradation is massive. And, yeah. and it goes even worse, because it, since it's thick, because of making that absorber, now you're talking something that's two or three micron. It's crappy, but it gives you five, six percent. And as you're going, I mean, you're creating, the, essentially you're creating this field of, uh, and, uh, and the problem is that if you want to, uh, uh, there was actually a whole rationale, mathematical rationale that was making sense. If you want to have any kind of uh, crew that leaves up there, you need a minimum of eight persons. Okay. You know that, uh, that yeah. formula? Yeah. So at least one has to be a doctor, one mm -hmm. has to be a biologist, so that you can create some kind of sustainable community. Right. Okay. So for eight, you need about a megawatt of power. Okay. And rather than try to send up that power with them, you one megawatt actually uh, okay. today to go to the moon. If we are going, uh, if we are able to reproduce Apollo for the Apollo type sending, it's gonna be every kilogram is gonna be about two hundred thousand okay. dollars. So you take yeah. one megawatt, right. one megawatt of energy, no matter what type. Like one megawatt of energy, yeah. how many kilograms of panels you have to send. And you're going to end up finding that you have to send several metric tons. And several metric tons at $200,000, you're talking, I mean, sending up $100 billion of soul, just for yeah, the ship, $100 yeah. billion dollar of solar cells. Even if yeah. you're the megawatt, you're going to buy it for $1 million. Right. Yeah. Now, if you have something like that there, not only, I mean, it can create that crap, but also, I mean, uh, eventually, I mean, that crap kind of uh, builds up to uh, uh, to be essentially sustainable because now if In the space, crap goes yeah. bad, you can continue to make more. Right. Yeah. And a rover is 300 kilograms. Yeah. So you're sending, I mean, actually it was 150 yeah. a rover and 150 for the other. So what? robot solar farmer on the moon. Yeah. But what's your energy source for the rover then? Also photovoltaics? All photovoltaics. Actually, to no. Even to do the melting? No, no the melting is... Uh, let me, I think it's concentrated it's so sunlight or something. Yeah, it's sure. It's so long. Well, the new ones are, are like nuclear powered. No, they? actually, I mean, the best, uh, the best solar uh, for uh, if you... Because you're... It's to generate heat. Okay. But I mean, it's things like... Uh, Professor Freundlich quickly jumped up from his chair and sketched a semicircle mirror with a line representing a fiber optic cable with arrows showing how light bounces into the cable head. You take a sim simple thing here. I take a parabolic concentration. Okay. The parabola has a focal point. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. And so if you place the material within that focal point, that you're trying yep. to okay. Actually, what what you do, you uh, you're taking this for, uh, this parabolic concentrator. Here you put you put the mirror with a little lens, uh, which is actually integrated on top of fiber optic. Okay. And now you push this guy through. The, all the concentrated energy comes in it's at the b back of the fiber. This was used actually by Israelis. Actually, right now it's used by Israelis as a cutting tool for medical interventions oh. and they're in the middle of the so desert. So in somewhat. the field, yeah. Really? You can, t uh, we had done it in the lab. Uh, we took one of those and you cut a frozen chicken and like, that's <laughs> 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 unbelievable. So you take something like that and essentially I mean, we had the, the whole bundles of this. And uh, it was the Pacific Northwest lab was the ones that had demonstrated that we could get, they, they could melt silicon. Hmm. 
which wow. is actually higher temperature so in the sand like than just uh, the rock that we're going to melt to create the glass. Yes, uh, silicon is 14, 14 5, 15, yeah. 1500 yeah. Celsius. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, you have always uh, also, uh, it's not totally, you're, you're hitting at one point, you have to go at much higher temperature because there's heat dissipation. Right. So, so that was kind of the, uh, the portion that was getting the, the melting energy. Yeah, I will, I will try to see if That's I can so find cool, something. Yeah. Yeah. I will send you maybe the picture of the chicken that's getting cut. Yeah. Actually, I mean, Absolutely. I think I've seen uh, pictures like that. Just yeah, sure. uh, if you're having fun, this is no longer an Concentrating. Yeah, yeah. Concentrating. Yeah. Uh, put um, a con um, concentrating fiber optic. Yeah, concentrating. Cutting a chicken. <laughs> concentrating fiber optic. Because, I mean, it's a typical experiment. I think the first one I saw, it was... Uh, Solar um, surgery. Yep, solar surgery. And this was the Israeli. Solar yeah, the researchers optic. have been testing the technology on chicken breasts. They cut two locations of the liver of each animal. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's the Nature paper in Israel sizzling yeah, yeah, the desert. Yeah, but I mean, okay. um, th that was a real project where you go go down there, but maybe sure. I mean, yep, here. Okay. You see? Burns a chicken liver. Okay, so a beam of concentrated sunlight burns a chicken liver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it works. I mean, in the lab, yeah. we're doing this stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it really works. I mean, it's fun. So they're using it to try on liver tumors. Yeah, but I mean, solar surgery. Okay. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but in fact, essentially, you have a, it's like a laser beam cutter yeah, sure. or something yeah, like yeah. that. So you have yeah. a cutter. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, maybe actually they have some uh, pictures as well. Okay. Uh, that's good. Yeah, you see, I mean, this was actually the first paper that came out. Okay. And you see the principle is quite simple. Essentially, yeah. you have a parabola, and you have this light coming in. You concentrate here, couple in the so fiber optic. And you can have pretty good couplings, you know, with, uh, you, you can get a coupling that up to 80% or something like mm. that, yeah. of the light into the fiber. Okay. And then you have your little laser pen or yeah. with a solar <laughs> operator pen. Yeah, so that, except for melting <coughs> lunar dust. Yeah. Actually, the, the, you know actually the Orleo, you know, the solar, the concentrating solar power. Okay. Right? We have the CSP and mm -hmm. we have the sure. TV. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the biggest uh, centers was in, the, uh, in France. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's called the Orleo. Okay. And, uh, uh, and the way it was working, they were using it as, as the, it's the same principle. You have all these mirrors that they're sitting onto a parabola, yeah. and the center of the parabola is just one receiver. They would melt tungsten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. They would put a chunk of tungsten in that middle. They will literally melt tungsten at 3,500 degrees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's one at Sandia that's it's smaller scale, but it's they get insane, insanely high temperatures. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing. I mean, now if you take the uh, the tip of a fiber optic. I mean, you get to the density, the power densities that are absolutely amazing. So locally, definitely, I mean, you're you're melting the rocks or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, the problem is that actually a, fi a fiber optic, if it's, I mean, typical good fiber optic, is uh, the amount of this uh, dissipation of poor, poorly mm. dissipating energy mm -hmm. is very small, actually. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's why you can make fiber optic communications. Of course, I mean, then you go on the minimum of the dissipation, sure. yeah, 30, there's, there's really kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. but you know, on something like 10, 20, 30 centimeters, it's uh, the amount of, the only big problem is uh, 
the tip is extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. it's like, right. But of course, I mean, not hot enough to melt the fiber optic mm-hmm. or damage any of this coating. Mm. But the tip is very, very hot. And now, of course, I mean, if, uh, if there's convection and things like that, mm-hmm. yeah. now you have all these other things, the whole system that's around the fiber optic that's going to start to collapse, whatever yeah. is holding it in place. Yeah, yeah. probably the yeah. hardest part of this to design would be like the tip that the surgeon holds or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, the the very last piece. Yeah, the last piece because yeah. that's where it's yeah, that's, that's where, where the, the heat. At that surface. Yeah. yeah, but I mean on, on the moon, I mean the problem was very easy to solve. Yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, because I mean of the vacuum. So there's no convection, so the other components around it don't see that that temperature. So what is the level of vacuum on the moon? When the Apollo mission landed on the moon, uh, there was an estimation that uh, the moon vacuum is almost 10 minus 12, 10 minus 11 tor. You cannot reach it in your chambers. Yeah. Only in some aluminum chambers, maybe. Mm-hmm. And when it landed, instantly the vacuum went to about high minus 11, up to low minus 10. Just and that pressure spike is just coming from the landing, but even with that, you're still at ultra-high vacuum levels. Uh, it was uh, just the dust, maybe, that came in. The dust. The little oh, bit okay. of the, of the uh, volatiles. From, the, that, you know, from just the landing, because it, it was a rocket jet yeah. that was slowing you down. So how did the rover actually deal with all the dust plumes itself that it was kicking up? You it's a slow crawler. Yeah, right. Because they they don't anyway, I mean, you cannot move too fast. It's a slow crawler. I mean, uh, it, if you're going very slowly and then there are designs, I mean, it, it was, there was lots of design work. The first one was essentially on a piece of paper, we drew it. Yeah. Uh, you, you can see actually, even that one, I mean, if uh, that's not the color version of it. but. Yeah. Um, so here is, are those big boxes that, that you saw. the parabolic mm. troughs from melting. Okay, and then there's a little bit of solar cell in front of it that kind of essentially gives you the power. Okay. And then you have a small tracker that allows you, I mean, all the time to have this parabolas to be, uh, uh, to be, fo- to, at, the uh, to be angle, yeah. at the optimal angle. Yeah. And then depending where you're deploying them, for example, if, uh, if you're on the poles, yeah. you have uh, almost 24-hour sunshine. Uh, so you're you're working almost with a uh, you know with a fixed angle, or you are I mean in the in the equatorial region, yeah. And then the twelve twelve, but it's uh, it's almost normal incidence twelve twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can see here I mean the operation of oh, the man. and yeah. the way that uh, I mean the whole thing is designed. This is actually yeah, I mean, yeah, the outer yeah. and fiber optic. Oh, I'm sorry. Bundle. So I mean it's uh, essentially we have radiation shields. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I mean this hit is gonna come and damage the mm-hmm. whole thing. Uh, here you're getting your fibers coming in and spitting, uh, spitting the energy, and you're starting to to melt the glass, and then essentially you have a linear melter. Okay. But uh, but it goes and it connects to all these things on the top here, so uh, essentially it allows you I mean to change I mean your yeah uh, the shape, and then I'm not sure if we put here I mean do we have also the vacuum evaporators I mean uh, the, the this design actually. It, uh, we had a, Chris was on this. You know, remember Chris? Uh, have you heard about Chris Ronsky? Yeah, mm-hmm. the Ronsky Stabler effect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so the Ronsky Stabler effect, referring to how certain solar materials degrade under light exposure. Chris oh, yeah. actually was on uh, this one. We were working together. Okay. Because uh, Chris was a fin film silicon person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, we're trying actually to get because you don't have the same metals. You know, like it's we have to make now a contact with tintel- t- tantalum. Right. Uh, the tantalum. Uh, titanium, titanium. Okay. versus you know, I mean, the contact that is done with silver. Okay. So I mean, and you can see, I mean, how it was connecting. Essentially, as it was going, it's all uh, mask evaporations. Okay. 
And you're creating them in your path. <laughs> so has the dollar per watt breakdown of silicon production on the moon? I mean, for for space, I mean, yeah. it's very cheap, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we got even a, a grant at some point. When we started, actually, which was back, I think, the first grant, NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts. Okay. So yeah. that's where, for example, the space elevator came from. Okay. Mm. So, like, crazy uh, space <coughs> ideas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. this was one of the projects, actually. Okay. We were selected the same year than the space elevator. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it was 90 six maybe 97 okay i remember seeing uh i think popular mechanics articles about that with these crazy graphics yeah showing it the, yeah. the so others was kind, kind of the same yeah. kind of projects okay. Okay. okay but nasa actually had a, uh, a program specifically for funding yeah oh they still do ideas. actually okay still do. they have uh, you know the most craziest ideas <laughs> well, that's good and, and it's kind <laughs> of fun yeah, you, you go to the you go there <laughs> to those meetings yeah it's actually, I mean, uh, real fun because things that are totally, I mean, I would say out of the box. Yeah. Know, especially, or, I mean, when yeah. you're not, it's not in your field, it's even more out of the box. Yeah, yeah right. Literally shooting for the moon, I uh, guess. <laughs> there's, the, there's the pun. And I remember, I mean, but I mean, then it was when we went for the real big one, mm -hmm. we were purple. You, you know the ratings of the very large proposals in, the, in NASA? Uh, or in government. Uh, okay, so a typical. The highest rate rating is purple. Purple? Okay. okay. And we were the purple ribbon. Oh, okay. For getting funded, except, I mean, uh, the war where Iraq started. <laughs> Money went to the DOD. DOD. DOD didn't yeah, care a yeah, shit about making solar cell and the Not lunar solar energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and got caught on everything. Otherwise, we were going. I mean, it was actually a very good You were going. I mean, it was actually moon. a seriously okay. large yeah. project. Apparently, you know, there's a huge interest. Again, from people like you know whatever, mm, Elon Musk and people you know. Kind okay. Of sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now maybe it's Mars dust. <coughs> right, rather than Moon. Yeah. Moon dust. <laughs> Mars is much yeah. harder. Did you get any like any pushback from like, from everyone? Yeah. You're proposing just to change. I mean, uh, silver to copper. Referring to Joe's own research work, as you might remember from our first podcast episode. Yeah. And you have a uh, half a dozen people immediately that will jump over you. And you're telling yeah. them something like that. It's like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking now about like I don't know what you'd call them, but like moon, almost like environmentalists, but for the moon. Like, where people are like, you can't change the surface of the moon. It needs to be pristine. Actually, you know what? Uh, the funny thing it was that uh, I put in the article that, of course, I mean, since this layers, because there was, there are essentially TCOs we were using. Referring to transparent conducting oxides, which was also discussed in our first episode, uh, these layers are in part used as anti-reflective coatings in solar cells. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the TCO is going to make an anti-reflect. That was yeah. the whole goal as well. Yeah. But of course, I mean, then we were going, the, moon, the surface of the moon may not look as shiny. <laughs> I remember even writing that. <laughs> the surface of the moon, of, of course, yeah. should that happen, maybe the surface of the moon would not like, look that shiny anymore. So we <laughs> with anti-reflection. Right. You could probably get hobbyist astronomers to advocate for that so they could see the stars a lot better. They would Gazing, love it. Yeah. It's what they would love it because it's if you're a hobbyist astronomer, you want to be able to see the, see the, the sky stars, around. Yeah, that's right. And, okay, the, and okay. the moon is a huge disturbance. Right. Yeah. So this could be part of the dark <laughs> dark sky <laughs> projects. Targeting the yeah. moon. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, with your TCOs, we could do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make a project. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And we'll we sell it to national. Yeah. Uh, right. The national astronomy. Uh, 
initiatives as partners yeah yeah the national dark sky alliance right so were there any other crazy plans at the time that wanted to integrate with yours uh, because i mean then there was this other guy that came in and his idea was there for for a long time but his idea was let's bring the solar cell there and make a power station on the moon and then beam it back to yeah right right it was actually a colleague <coughs> from the school from our school yeah. there david Criswell. But then, uh, and then of course he picked up on that. Yeah. Because he saw, I mean, I was coming out with this uh, rover that's gonna build the stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're talking about the larger version. That's where you're starting to see gigawatts, which for the time, the entire accumulated uh, capacity in uh, 94, 95 yeah, is 20, yeah. is or 10 or 20 megawatts. Yeah, right, totally. Yeah. Total. And now we have so to you're talking to somebody who's gonna do five gigawatts in space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of speaks to the idea of what people people talk about, like like ubiquitous PV, PV everywhere, no. you know, mm-hmm. so cheap you spray it down, you know, yeah. or so cheap that a little robot just inches along and leaves it behind as it goes. Yeah. This is the first I've ever heard of it, and it's incredible to me. Yeah. <laughs> it was here that Professor Freundlich forgot that we were supposed to be interviewing him, and he started asking us questions about our work. After talking about sputtering of my TCOs, he got a big grin on his face as he remembered a funny story from when he was doing his PhD. Sputtering actually reminds me of a cool story. It was uh, when I finished. I mean, my uh, uh, I didn't want to go for a PhD. I was a <laughs> stupid kid that uh, had an f- argument with my parents. That's how you got started in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> I said, "I'm not gonna take it." So I realized, okay, I need a finish my engineering degree or whatever, it was physics more. Yeah. But uh, to get my, uh, once I got my master, my goal was, I'm gonna make money now. And this yeah. many years, I would go every morning in the market and putting boxes up, you know, doing all the blue collar works, and I'm gonna go make money. So I started working for some uh, uh, electro-resistance company, right, was the name of it. I mean, it's part of Vichy now. So I started working for this guy. Thanks. And then one of the things I was doing, it was, some uh, tantalum nitride deposition, and for that they had the splattering system. And this was one of the, and this was already called the D of the R and D because at the time this is 30 years ago, we we're working with 11 four-inch wafers. So you know it's the it's already <laughs> a D of an R and D. And occasionally I will clean the, the chamber, will clean all the chambers mm-hmm. to try to get whatever metals. I mean they were they were recycling everything just because of the set us yeah so we will take everything so I'm cleaning my chamber my chamber is clean beautiful and then I'm going and I'm gonna put it in the vacuum I'm pushing the button and for a split of a second I see there was a fly exactly when I was going to close the chamber oh no got it and it was really a split of a second because I mean I by the time I'm realizing it's there, yeah. it, it has splattered. It exploded <laughs> everywhere. It exploded oh, no. It took us, I mean, uh, everybody was pissed at me. It took literally, I mean, almost a month and a half or two of cleaning oh, to starting to not have... Organic uh, contamination. Organic <laughs> contact, <laughs> because actually, I mean, it was... Uh, it was already the D of the R&D, so you're yeah. doing things where you're starting, I mean, to, right. uh, to not only reliability, yeah. you know, people yeah. were testing the fatigue and, yeah. you know, resi- it was a resistance-making company. Yeah. So it's typically, it has to operate minus uh, 
125 degrees C to minus 50 C. Mm -hmm. So they do all this cycling or whatever. And of course it's a crap because now you have pinholes because of that organic stuff. Yeah, <laughs> there's all sorts yeah, of that, that was kind of a cool stuff. The fly that yeah. uh, that came into our chamber. Yeah, a literal uh, fly. Yeah, and yeah. And right. And it's horrible. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you saw it, I saw it almost like a slow motion. I yeah. Not Nothing. in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Disappear. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't even see actually the the spray of it. I, I just assumed it was sprayed yeah. everywhere. It, right. it just vaporized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's go, uh, guys. Have a coffee. Yeah. 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 yeah let's, let's go uh, get a coffee. Rejoin the crowd downstairs. <laughs> and thanks a lot. For yeah. Thank you very much for entertaining us for the last little while. <laughs> it's always it's always great chatting with you. It's all but. left with a. Uh, no, all people, they can only tell you funny stories. Thanks for listening, everyone. We had a great time with Professor Freundlich, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as well. If I was to post the entire recording, it would have been over two and a half hours long. So hopefully cutting this down to about half an hour was all right. Feel free to reach out to me at podquest at gmail.com. That's P-O-D-Q-E-S-S-T at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or if you have a recommendation for a guest that we should have on the show, be sure to check out the research work of Quest by visiting quest.org. And again, thank you to Quest, the National Science Foundation, and the Department of Energy for enabling not just this podcast, but also the research work done by the students of Quest. Hope you can join next time.